you would, let's stand this morning, grab your Bibles, turn them open to the book of John, John chapter number six. Thank you for those wonderful songs this morning. I'm glad that we serve a God that neither sleeps nor slumbers, and he's ever present at all places, at all times. Preacher, do you really believe? Oh, I just don't believe it. I've experienced it. <laughs> he's found me in my darkest days and uh, knew exactly where I was. Matter of fact, found out he was waiting on me. And I'm thankful for that this morning. John chapter number 6, give you a few minutes to stretch your feet as we read the Word of God. And I will let you know I've got a long introduction, and it should be short points. Can't promise you that, but it should be, amen? And uh, it may play out that way, it may not. We'll, we'll see what the Lord has for us. Look at John chapter number 6, go down to verse number 59 towards the end of the chapter. If you're glad you're saved this morning, say Amen. If you're glad you got a Bible, say glory. glory. Amen. If you found the verse, say boom shakalaka. <laughs> Amen. Look at verse number 59. These things said he, Jesus, in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many therefore of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What, and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. Let that sink in this morning. Jesus knew what Judas was going to do and still picked him. Talk about grace. I know what you're going to do, but I'm willing to give you a chance. Go down to verse number 65. And he said, Therefore I said unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. And from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, or that Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Let's pray to Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for this morning. Lord, I just want to thank you for church this morning. Thank you, Lord, for a place, Lord, that we have on purpose met together. Lord, not just to fellowship, not just to catch up, or not just to talk and converse one to another, but, Lord, we've come here to lift up our voices, to lift up our hearts, to lift up our hands, to worship you, to praise you. Lord, this is your house. This is your sanctuary. We are your people. You saved us. You've changed us. 
And Lord, I'm thankful for a place where we can come together and just rejoice in the great work that you've done in each and every one of us. Lord, we come from different walks of life. We come from different experiences. We come from different sides and different places. But Lord, the majority of us have something in common. There was a day in our life we passed by a place called Calvary. Lord, and you saved us by your grace. Some of us got saved at a young age, some in our middle years and some just a little while ago. And Lord, we're so thankful, Lord, that we can come here and Lord, just rejoice in what you've done for us. I do ask you this morning that you'd hide me behind the cross of Calvary. God, would you get out of myself and fill me with the Spirit of God. Use me for your glory. And Lord, if there's somebody here today under the sound of my voice, that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray, Holy Spirit, you do what you do best. God, would you work in their heart. Lord, prove to them and remind them and show them their sinful condition. But Lord, would you let them see Calvary and see Jesus dying for them in paying for their sin debt. I ask you, Lord, you'd work in their hearts, draw them unto yourself and save them by your grace. Lord, let eternal life and the goodness of God flow in their veins this morning. And Lord, set them on a different course and change their direction. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing. You can have a seat this morning. And uh, John chapter number six, if you're a new Christian or you're looking for a good book to start reading in your Bible, you say, preacher, I would like to know more about Jesus. Start in the book of John and read it all the way through. There in the book of John, you will see Jesus for who he is and what he can do and what he promises. It's a wonderful book. Matter of fact, it contains probably the most famous Verse in, uh, in our society, in the Bible, John three 16. I'm glad it's more than just a children's church verse. I'm glad it's more than just a verse that everybody quote. I'm glad that it's true this morning. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But we come here to John chapter number six, and, and we're gonna work our way down to verse number 67 this morning. But in order to get there, I've got to lay some groundwork. And I got to, as I was putting this together and, and the Lord began to work it in my heart, I was reminded of how often the Lord, Jesus, is misrepresented. He is misexplained. He is misinterpreted uh, 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 in that sense. He is, he is given titles. He's given uh, uh, characteristics. Or he's, he's just viewed from one certain aspect that just isn't completely or totally true. He's often misrepresented in our society. Our society has tried their best to take the God of the Bible, to take the Lord Jesus Christ and try to shove him into their social agenda to make him support things and to make it seem like that if you're a Christian and you're not on board with this, well, you're anti-God and you're anti-Jesus. You're anti-love and you're anti-grace. And to be honest with you, it gets underneath my skin. It begins, it almost to the point that it makes me mad and it makes me angry. It seems like the biggest thing right now, and maybe you've seen it on social media, maybe you've heard about it, is this idea and it's the teaching that you and I have to be for everything that's going on in our country, especially when it comes to things like immigration, because, well, don't you know Jesus was an immigrant? 
And he said, well, preacher, it has to be true because don't you remember when Jesus, when he was just a young boy and he had just been born, didn't they go from Judea into Egypt? Now, I'm not going to argue that fact this morning, that yes, Jesus left from Judea into Egypt at the discretion of God the Father who gave Joseph a dream. But what you've got to realize this morning is that they did not go there as immigrants, nor did they even go there as refugees. Well, preacher, why did they go? But didn't they leave one country for the next? Well, a little history lesson will find out that at that time, Rome owned or conquered both Judea and Egypt. And so at that time, as they left Judea and went into Egypt this morning, they weren't immigrating. They were going from one state to the next. I don't know about you this morning, but I wouldn't say if, if you moved down here from New Jersey, I wouldn't call you an immigrant. I'd call you smart. <laughs> but their idea is that, that we can take Jesus and, 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 and change a little things about his story and if you've got to agree with me now you say preacher uh, uh, do you not care about immigrants do you not care about refugees they are souls for whom Jesus died this morning but to take Jesus and to plug him into some political form and some political place so you can get a political agenda across the board is not right. Do not misrepresent my Lord for your political persuasion. And then some, they only focus on one characteristic of the Lord like he doesn't have any others. There's some, they all they can talk about is how Jesus is love. Now, I'm going to raise my hand this morning. He is love, right? He loved me with uh, a love that is beyond comprehension, that is almost beyond understanding, but I also know that he's more than a love. God does not have a reckless love. God has a focused, a personal, a real love. But their idea is, well, if you love everybody, you can't offend nobody. <laughs> Go read your Bible. <laughs> Jesus offended some people. Not just the Pharisees, but even those that followed him. We just read it this morning. He offended people. He said, well, preacher, you, you can't speak it out against those things because Jesus ate lunch with sinners. You have to do what Jesus did. But can I say Jesus may have ate lunch at a sinner's house, but nowhere in my Bible do I read that Jesus sinned with sinners. <laughs> yes, he loved him, loved them enough to die for them. But his love stopped at his righteousness. In that sense, he wasn't willing to overstep righteousness to express his love to them. They ignore that. They, preacher, just talk about love. Let's just hold hands and love everybody, preacher. <laughs> oh, I done, got, I done got crunk up this morning, amen. <laughs> Ain't no telling what I'm fixing to say. <laughs> But they only focus on his love. And then there's some on the other side. All they can talk about is his wrath. Like God is up in heaven right now and he's got a switch and a paddle and he's saying, I can't wait until you mess up. I can't wait to, to take this paddle and this switch to your rear end and to wear you out. Can I say that kind of preaching left me almost paralyzed in my Christian life? Why, preacher? Because I was scared to death that if I decided to pursue God and I, for one moment, absolutely didn't do it exactly perfectly how it was supposed to be done, God was going to wipe me out. So I said, I won't even try. There's no point. If I, I know I can't do it perfectly. So I'll just sit in my seat and wait until Jesus comes. 
Then I began to read my Bible. <laughs> I can still remember we had a missionary come through here one time and he was headed over to Israel and he said, I just thought it would be something the Lord would have me to do. How are you going to do it? What are you going to do? Where are you going to go? He said, I'll figure all that out. I just feel like the Lord, I don't think the Lord would be mad at me if I just tried to follow him to Israel. I remember that, that began to work in my heart. I began to find out that God knows you and I aren't perfect. That God, yes, there is a such thing as the chastening hand of the Lord. Yes, he chastens his youngins. Yes, he corrects us. Yes, he deals with us. But you've got to realize he is not up in heaven this morning just chomping at the bit saying, boy, I can't wait to deal with them, to wear them out. God's not sadistic. God is not a, uh, uh, a person who just takes pleasure in that sense. Do you realize this morning that when you and I break the heart of God, when you and I disobey him, when you and I do not do what he tells us to do clearly and plainly in the word of God, when he begins to do that chastening work in our life, he does it as a father with a broken and a disappointed heart. Just like you were with your youngins. Boy, you wanted the best for them. You wanted the world for them. And how many times did they let you down? And you didn't go in there smiling and saying, boy, I've been waiting on you to mess up. I've been thinking about it all day at work. I said, boy, I hope when I get home, mama's got some bad news to tell me because, I, I mean, I've just been itching to whip your hand in. I don't know how it was for you, but I know as a father, when I've got to discipline my children, there's times where I think I have let them down. I did not properly train them and teach them. And I can't imagine what it, what it feels like in the heart of God when he said, I gave them everything they needed. I gave them my word. I gave them my truth. I even gave them my spirit. And I loved them enough to not let it go too far without them reminding there's a way back home. We see here this morning, but there's some that they only focus on the love of God. It's all lovey-dovey, peachy keen, everything's wonderful, love everybody. Don't, don't mention sin. That's going to offend somebody. And there's another, love, no, judgment. And then somewhere in the middle you'll find Jesus. <laughs> but here's, I begin to read this and you begin to study your Bible. This you find out, how many believe Jesus did everything perfectly? He was absolutely, totally, 100% perfect. Never sinned, never messed up. He did everything perfectly. In order to not just that he did everything, I believe he said everything perfectly. I believe every word that he said in every moment wasn't just a good word. It wasn't just a, a good truth, but it was exactly what needed to be said in that moment with that crowd, with whoever was losing, losing, listening. And we see here this morning, that's why there's times, man, could you imagine when he was teaching and he said, come unto me, all you that are, 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 are weary and, and labor and heavy laden, come unto me and I will give you rest. Boy, imagine the peace that brought to their hearts that day. But then there was the other time where he walked out on the boat and he calmed the, 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 the storm and the sea before his disciples and he looked at them and said, oh ye of little faith, he called him out. But I believe in both instances, what was said right there was what needed to be said because he did everything perfectly. He never misspoke. Boy, I wish I had that superpower. <laughs> but I'm glad Jesus has 
that kind of power. So with that in mind, here we come to John chapter number six. And Jesus speaking here, and he, he goes from a great multitude of people in the beginning of the chapter. Oh, he's feeding 5,000. He's doing miraculous things. There's leftovers of five, uh, five loaves and two fish. It's, it's an amazing feat that is taking place. There's a great crowd following him. And then we get to the end of the chapter, there's just 12. And we, you go read John chapter number six, the majority of that chapter after verse 26 is red letters, if you have a red letter Bible. And so Jesus begins to speak and he begins to teach and we believe that he said everything perfectly. And so if he said everything perfectly, we see the effect here. It comes from a great crowd of followers to just a few. They begin one by one to turn away. And here's it. You read John, John chapter number six. Jesus is doing some calling out. Jesus is dealing with some things. Matter of fact, at the beginning of the chapter, the Bible said that Jesus disappeared on them when he found out. And he, and he realized that he, and, and, and we, he come to understand that they were trying to make him a magistrate. They were trying to put him in, in the position of the earthly king. He's the king of glory. And he's going to set up a kingdom one day on this, this earth. But not at that time. When he came the first time, he came to die. And so he disappeared, and they got upset. How dare he? We were about to elevate him. We were about to put him on a pedestal, and he disappeared on us. So some got offended. Then some got, he called them out just because they wanted miracles. Go down to verse number 26 this morning. Jesus looks at them and speaks to them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. He, Jesus said, you're only here for the food. Well, that make a wonderful fifth Sunday message. <laughs> You're only here for the food, only for what you can get out. And he called some out for just desiring mere religion. Verse 52 and 53, the Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, how can this man give us flesh to eat? And Jesus said, verily I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink of his blood, you, you have no life in you. He called them out because they just wanted me religion. And then he called some out because they wanted an easy message. 59, look at verse 51. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. And many therefore of his disciples, when they heard this, said, that is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Lord, how are we going to go out and preach that? That's not a fun message. That's not a lovey-dovey, clap your hands, everybody feel better, and we'll go home and try again next week. He said, Lord, that's a hard message. And then once the dust settles, it's just Jesus and his disciples. <laughs> now, I can tell you this. Jesus was not your typical Baptist pastor. How do you know, preacher? Because when people were leaving, he said bye. He didn't go into damage control. He didn't say, hey, what can I change about my preaching? What can I change about my lessons that would bring you back to me? How can I appease your emotions? It's not in there. Maybe in the original text, Jesus might have said, don't let the door hit you on the way out. He doesn't just go after what, he doesn't go into damage control. He doesn't come over to say, y'all don't look at them. I don't want them to influence you. I, I, they're, just, they're just disgruntled church members. Y'all don't pay attention to them. <laughs> Jesus looks at his 12 and says, y'all gonna go too? 
Preacher, I thought Jesus was love. Oh, he is. But he's also truth. He stood, he looked at them and said, Lord, or he said, he said, boys, fellas, y'all gonna go too? The Bible said there was a multitude that, that turned and, and walked with him no more. And Jesus looked at those 12 and said, y'all going too? Let me ask you, what if Jesus looked at you this morning and said, you gonna go too? When, the tough, when it gets tough, when it gets hard, when it, gets, when, 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 when it, when it becomes, it's no longer fun, and it's no longer exciting, when, it, when, it, when, the, when the newness rubs off, you going to go too? And I love Peter. Because Peter looks at him and says in verse number 67, 68, and then Simon Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. I looked that phrase up in my concordance. In the original Greek, here's what it means. Peter said, Lord, I ain't going nowhere. I ain't going nowhere, Lord. I'm staying right here. I'm staying with you. Preach, is that really what the Greek said? No. But if Peter would have been from Hesper, that's how he would have said it. Lord, I ain't going nowhere. I'm not leaving, Lord. I'm staying right here. And then Peter gives us three reasons why. He wasn't going anywhere. I'll give you three points this morning on how to, how to stick and stay when everybody else is leaving. How to stay with Jesus when everybody else walks away. Notice, why did Peter stay? Why did Peter, uh, well, we don't necessarily know the rest of the disciples, but I, I firmly believe that they, they agreed with Peter. Lord, we are not leaving. But notice, why would they say, well, first of all, they realized the Lord's elevated position. Look at verse number 68. The first thing out of Simon Peter's mouth is what? Lord. Now, we know Simon Peter. We, we know he's, he's quite the talker, right? He's, he's quite the, if it comes in my brain, I'm saying it kind of man. And sometimes that got Peter in trouble. Sometimes that got Peter saying things he had no idea what he was, you ever been around somebody who was talking to you? You could just tell they have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> just like this morning, the, there's an issue out there with the well pump this morning. Something's froze up on there. And if I were to say it was the flux capacitor, you would say you have no idea what you're talking about, Pastor. <laughs> and if, you're, if you've never seen Back to the Future, you have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> but Simon Peter, he was, he was known just to let it out. And at sometimes it was a curse in his life. Sometimes it, it was a problematic. And then sometimes it was good. Here's the reality. I think sometimes getting around people like Simon Peter, it can definitely be difficult. But the reality is when Simon Peter's done talking, you know where he stands. You know what he believes. You know what he's thinking. He's not one of those. You say, I wonder what Simon Peter thought about this. And the first thing, he, he doesn't wait for, he doesn't wait for the, the other 11 to come together to have a committee meeting to figure out if they're going to leave or not. Peter said, Lord, I'm not leaving. And he said, because there's an elevated position. That first word out of Peter's mouth is Lord. And he wasn't saying it just to be polite. He wasn't saying it just to be nice. He was saying it because that's who he believed Jesus was. That word Lord means supreme in authority, that he was in control. Peter said, Lord, 
Hey, you're not just some miracle worker. Lord, you're not just some good teacher. You're not just some wonderful man or interesting person. But Lord, you are the greatest. You are the supreme. You are the highest. You are the best. Nobody even comes close to you. And why would I leave that, Lord? Why would I leave you? And here's the other thing. If you find, when you find faithful people in your Bible... They all have the same view as Peter. Matter of fact, David said in Psalm 113.5, Who is like unto our God who dwelleth on high? Moses in Exodus 15.11 said, Who is like unto thee, O Lord? Even little Micah that everybody looks over until Christmas time said in 7.18, Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity? Peter answered the Lord's question with his own question. Lord, look what he said. To whom shall we go? Peter, Peter was saying, Lord, who else can we find with what we found in you? Lord, I can't find what I found in you in anybody else. Well, what did Peter find? Well, he found everlasting mercy. He found enduring love. He found an experienced pardon. He found eternal life. He found enjoyed grace. He found encouraging promises. And Peter said, Lord, I'm going to stay right here because what I found in you, I cannot find in anybody else. Lord, I'm not leaving. I ain't leaving, Lord. Here's the thing. When you come to the realization and the understanding that what you have in him is not because of you, but it's because of him, you are going to have a hard time leaving him. Because you'll know you won't find it anywhere else except in Jesus. Let me ask you, is Jesus just somebody to you or is he the Lord to you? Why didn't Peter leave? Well, he understood the Lord's elevated position. But notice this, not only because of that, but he, there was an examined word. Look at verse number 68. He goes, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Let me ask you, you ever become fixated on something that you don't understand? That, that you can't comprehend to the point where you become discouraged? In essence, you just can't make sense of it, right? And your brain begins to hurt. You begin to sweat and, and you begin to get aggravated. You just can't wrap your mind around it. Why, why is this problem not being fixed? Why did this happen? Why did that take place? I just can't wrap my mind around it. It's too deep, it's too difficult, it's too much, it's beyond you. And we see in verses 53 and 60, Jesus had brought some truth that was hard for them to understand. Verse 56 probably threw them for a loop. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. Oh, that verse... That's an that's a interesting thing for Jesus to say. If you really want to be a part of me, you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, I could agree. I'd have to say, hold on a second, Lord. I don't know about that. Eat your flesh and drink your blood? And that, that, so from that point on, there was someone that said, ah, that's a little bit too much for me. Uh, we're we're going to go find something a little bit easier to believe and to comprehend. Now, was Jesus talking physically? Of course not. 
All right, we don't get saved because we find a piece of the body of Christ and we ingest it. Or we go and we find the blood of Christ and we ingest it and we, we take it in and we, 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 we allow it go to go into our body in that sense. Here's the thing, if that was what was needed for salvation, none of us could be saved. Seven point some billion people on earth. <laughs> a physical body could not supply that many people. Wouldn't be a, there wouldn't be any blood left by the time it got down to us. But what was Jesus saying? He said, if, you really, if you're really desiring eternal life, you are going to have to accept me completely and totally. Not just a little bit, not just some, but you are going to have to allow me to come in unto you, spiritually speaking, to dwell inside of you, the Holy Spirit to guide you and direct you. You are going to have to let me have full control of your life. And so when they begin, and then yet, the, the tail stayed, right? We see a multitude leave. Jesus turns to them and said, hey, y'all boys gonna leave too? And, Jesus, and Peter said, I ain't leaving. Because here's what Peter was saying. He said, I may not understand everything you just said, Lord. And I may not actually know, understand what it's gonna look like and what you're actually trying to say. He said, but what I have already heard and what I already understand is enough for me to stay. Can I say there's certain things about our Bible this morning. There's certain truths in our Bible that are far greater and far more than you and I could ever comprehend, worldly speaking. There's things that take place and there's questions that we'll have that we will struggle to find the answer and we will struggle with, with, with an with a answer that we can get confidently. And if we're not careful, we'll say, you know what, that's just beyond me, I'm done. Why did this happen? Why did that take place? Why did I experience that? Sometimes those questions are very hard to answer. But may I encourage you this morning not to let those discourage you. Because for every question I cannot answer, for every question I cannot fully grasp and understand, and even know where necessarily to look for the answer, I've got a truckload of truth that I already know. And I already know to be true. And I, I, by the grace of God, I don't want one little question and one little doubt and one little discouragement derail everything God has already given me. There's no reason to walk away when the parts, there are parts that we don't understand because there's a whole lot that I do understand. I understand Romans 10, 9. I understand it. Why? Because I did it. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and that shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I believe that. I understand that. How? That's what I did April 3rd, 2015. I asked the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart and saved me and he did that afternoon. I understand John 3, 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. I know I have everlasting life this morning, not because I pay my tithes, not because I pastor a church, not because I teach Sunday school, because there was a day that I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. What about 1 John 5, 12? He that hath the Son hath life. I believe that and I understand that Jesus dwells inside of me. He walks with me. He talks with me. He leads me on the way. He makes his word real to me. I don't want to leave just because there may be a question I don't understand. And it's a scenario that I can't adequately explain when there is plenty of truth that I understand and I believe this morning. Are you going to go walk away because something you can't understand or will you stay because of what you already know? 
the notice and think, why, why wasn't Peter leaving? Well, first of all, he examined the word. And then he also knew the Lord's elevated position. But verse 69 says Peter had some expected promises. Look at verse 69. The Bible said, we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter stopped talking for himself. Now he's talking for the group. He said, Lord, we, 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 we don't just know these things. He said, we believe them. We are sure of them. Notice thing, the disciples had seen the miracles. They were there at the marriage supper of Canaan. They watched Jesus turn water into wine. They had seen God, they had seen the Lord heal blind men and make crippled men to walk and to give uh, deaf their, their words back, the blind, their sight, the, 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 the loss of hearing, their hearing back. They had watched God do all of those things. They had seen the miracles. They had heard the messages. They had listened as Jesus preached time after time to the multitude. And they had just as much proof and as much evidence as those that had just walked away. Which begs the question, why'd they stay? It wasn't just what they saw that made them stay. It wasn't just what they heard that made them stay. What was it, preacher? It's what they believed. It's what they believed. This wasn't an uncertain belief, a maybe or a hope so. Peter said, we are sure. That word means to learn, to know, to understand. In essence, I don't think you could talk Peter out of it. He said, this isn't just something I've seen. This isn't just something I've heard. He said, Lord, I've been watching you, and I've been listening to you, and I am sure that you are who you say you are. Peter said, we're sure. What did they know and understand? That Jesus wasn't just some man, but one, he was the Christ. He was the anointed one, the Messiah, the promised one, that he was the son of the living God, that he himself, though robed in flesh, was still God Almighty. Peter said, I... I believe that, and I'm sure of it. There's no doubt in my mind about that. But also, not that Jesus was, wasn't just some man, but he was the son of God, but also that Jesus had come to fulfill a promise. I think sometimes we, we fail to forget. We, we, we read our Bible, and, and I know it's not necessarily recorded in our Bible, but there had to have been some interaction for, between those people. <laughs> Why? Because we talk to each other. Right? Could you imagine Jesus has come, he's called, <laughs> he's called Andrew and Peter off the boat. And I'm going to get that in just a second. But Peter and Andrew and the rest of the disciples are walking around. Here comes little Mary. Mary, why'd you name him Jesus? That's what God told me to do. Why? Because he was sent to save his people from their sins. There came a point in Peter's life where his name wasn't just his name, but his name became that promise. He came to die for me. And Peter began to understand and realize that. The Lord had come to make some, he had come to redeem mankind, to do the will of the Father. <laughs> do you remember when Jesus found them on the boat and called them out? What he said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And Peter found out the Lord could keep his promises. Peter said, if you could keep that promise, I'm going to stay. Because I believe you keep every promise you make. Peter said, you called me out of that boat. You changed my life, Lord. And I've watched you catch men. Lord, I've seen the crowd. And Lord, they may leave you, but I'm not going to. 
because, Lord, you keep your promises. And, Lord, I'm going to stay right here beside you. I'm not turning away. I'm not walking away. You would say, well, preacher, didn't Peter do that later on in life? Yes, there was a point in Peter's life where he denied the Lord. There was a point where he, he, he went back to fishing. But can I say, I would much rather have Peter's heart here than just to say, you know what, I'm going to walk away. Say, Lord, everything inside of me, Lord, I don't want to walk away. I don't want to leave. I, I want to stay right with the Lord. Peter said, I'm going to stay with him. I have no problem trusting the promises that await in the future because of the promises he's already kept. We're preaching on Sunday nights about the second coming of the Lord. If you're interested, I'd encourage you back tonight. Preacher, do you believe he's coming back? Why? Oh, I believe wholeheartedly. Why, preacher? Because he already came once. <laughs> he's coming back again. He's kept every promise he's, kept, he's ever made, and he's not going start, to start and stop with you, you and I this morning. Preacher, I'm going to stay with him because no one else can make and keep promises like the promises he's made to me. Verse 69, Peter said, Lord, we, we believe this and we're sure. Verse 70, said, Jesus said, not so quickly. He said, hold on a second. There's one of you that doesn't believe this. There's one of you that isn't sure. Look at verse number 70. Jesus answered them, and have I not chosen you 12 and one of you is a devil? <laughs> Preacher, I thought Jesus was love. He just called one of his own disciples a devil. He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. For he is that it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Though Judas did not believe, Judas knew how to fit in. So much so they gave Judas the purse, not like a, a Gucci purse. He was the banker, he was the treasurer of the disciples. <laughs> Jesus said, one of y'all's a devil. And they said, give him the money. Give the money to the treasurer. But here's the thing. Judas knew how to fit in that we didn't believe. Here's the thing this morning. There are some of you here this morning, you believe. You've got Bible reasons to back up your salvation. Let me ask you, are you going to walk away? But maybe there's some here this morning you know how to fit in. You know what to say, when to say it, where to say it. You, you, you know what, what's, what, how to fit in. You know how to play the part. You've got the facts and the knowledge, but you lack the belief. We already quoted the verse this morning. It's not he that knows a lot about the Son has eternal life. He that believeth on the Son. Judas Iscariot was there, but Judas Iscariot wasn't there. He fit in, but he didn't believe. Jesus said, Peter, that's great, but you've got to learn to speak for yourself. Peter, I hope you stay, but there's one of you among us. He don't believe. And no doubt the message this morning is for Christians to to stay with the Lord. Don't walk away. There's far more with the Lord than you could ever get by walking away from Him. Matter of fact, I don't know about you, when I got saved, that old life, really there's nothing back, back there to go back to. Every hope 
I have, every dream I have, every good thing that I have is from Jesus this morning. There's not much to go back to. Maybe here this morning he said, Preacher, that's wonderful, that's great. And I know a lot about the Lord. There's never been a day that I believed on him. The message for you this morning is, today's the day of salvation. You can and he's able and he's willing to save you this morning. And you'll find out you won't want to leave him either. You won't want to walk away either. And you may and you might. And you'll find out there's grace and there's mercy. And you'll find out, man, I should not have done that. But I don't want to do it no more. Jesus said, y'all going to go too. My question to you this morning, church, is you going to go or are you going to stay? Well, what do we purpose in our heart? I ain't leaving. I am not leaving the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's nothing to go back to.